Pence pounces on Harris, but the media focuses on a fly. The NBA is thinking of removing Black Lives Matter messages for next season, and Portland might end up with an Antifa mayor. We've got that and much more coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Hillary Kennedy. I am filling in for the lovely Sarah Gonzalez while she is at home on maternity leave. But we have a really fun roundtable for you today. I'm here with Yako Buyans, host of the Yako Buyans Show. Thanks for being back. It's good to be here. And also political commentator Christian Walker. Glad to have you here. So happy to be First here. First time I've gotten to meet you. I know. So nice to You're doing you. some traveling soon. Yako, you've been traveling coast to yep. coast. So we're yep. excited you've made the time to be here. Thank you. It's good to see you again. Always. <laughs> All right. So the vice presidential debate, it was last night. I know a lot of people caught it. In case you didn't, let me give you the rundown. Uh, This was an issue-driven, coherent political debate between Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris. A significant amount of the media discussion and the reaction, though, it focused on a fly that landed on Vice President Pence. Let's take a look. I must tell you, this, this, this presumption that you hear consistently from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris that, uh, that America is systemically racist. And that, as Joe Biden said, that he believes that law enforcement has an implicit bias against minorities is, is a great insult to the men and women who serve in law enforcement. And I want everyone to know who puts on the uniform of law enforcement every day that President Trump and I stand with you. Now, I don't know if either of you were able to watch last night. I'm sure most of you have seen the clip one way or another. What did you think about the fly landing on Mike Pence? You know, really, I just think it shows how pathetic the Democrat Party is right now that they're only talking points after the debate, after we talked about uh, coronavirus and a bunch of different topics. That The only thing they can focus in on is a fly landing on Vice President Pence's head. Um, I think it's shallow. I think it was funny for five minutes and liberals, as always, ruin the joke. Yep. Look, these gentlemen that you got on your screen now that's going to talk, I want to ask him, has a fly ever landed on you, right, ever? This is normal occurrence. It's ridiculous to spend airtime on a fly shows you that they know their candidate had a very poor performance. It's a poor performance. Mike did great. And maybe the fly, Christian, just loved that silver fox hair. hair. Right? <laughs> just love the hair, man. It's like a landing pad. Just love this. Ridiculous, Hillary. Come on. He does have beautiful hair. Well, some people took it to extremes, like MSNBC in their commentary. We've got a clip of that. I mean, I don't think it's ever a good sign when a fly lands on your head for two minutes. You know, that's a that's a sign all through history of sin and historically, biblically, (laughs) uh, maybe you wouldn't normally say this after uh, you wouldn't. It's only safe to say this, sorry, after midnight. But. You know, the, a fly, he who commands the fly has always been seen historically as the mark of the devil. So I'm just well, not Steve. Relevant, but but, it, but it, I, having the fly Now as a journalist, never, now I have to never, ask for the record, are you joking? Because uh, it, the fly could have landed on anyone. Yes, but it didn't. It landed on Mike Pence and it, and it says something. <laughs> I don't. Hillary. You know, this guy's tapping into a world that I will defend, like, I will defend it to death, okay? 
Shut your mouth, because you don't know what you're talking about. Mark of the Beast is triple six, by the way, buddy. You don't read the Word of God, probably. You know nothing about what you're talking about. That fly has landed on you a million times in his life, probably. It's insane. They're slinging mud. This is how low they'll go. You want to know how low the left will go? There's, there's no bottom. There's no bottom. They'll go, there's five feet of crap, and they're under the five feet of crap. That's how low they'll go, okay? Maybe you hang out with the flies, maybe watch too many fly movies for that kind of a comment to come out. Man, it's ridiculous. Mind you, this is the same party that during the Democrat National Convention, they took the word of God. They took the word God out of the Pledge right. of Allegiance. So right. I just find it a bit offensive that now they're, they're acting as though they are the party of religion. They're the party of God. They're not. Right. Yeah, it was very interesting. They decided to bring religion into it yeah. at this point. All right. So MSNBC also had a debate analysis, and I want to play you a clip of that as well. Uh, about the fly and the eye bleed thing, those were they were visually distracting and strange things. Um, I don't think we need to dwell on them. Everybody knows what they were, but um, those were the oddities of this debate. Two weird things. One thing, something going on with Mike Pence's eye and that fly that nested in his hair quite comfortably for the length of an entire question. Um, other than that, it was like a visit to normal politics land, which is fine and to be expected when it comes to Senator Harris, who has been a mainstream Democratic politician essentially her whole life, even though she's had an interesting sort of rise to the place that she's in right now in the party. But Mike Pence was visiting from another world in which the Donald Trump presidency is a normal Republican presidency, and he was defending it on normal Republican terms, um, which sort of, I think, would have made for a potentially a consequential debate if Pence was describing a presidency that existed. So uh, Rachel Maddow was with Nicole Wallace and Joy Reid, and after Reid noted how Pence apparently steamrolled the moderator and Harris, which she said will hurt Trump with women, Wallace said that the performance was flaccid and anemic, which will hurt with men. I, I mean, I think by most accounts, even if you aren't pro Donald Trump or Mike Pence. I think most people thought he he did well though. He was very composed. It was a very different debate than last time. Do you think they're just looking for any little thing to take the focus off of the fact that by most accounts Pence did very well? Yeah, look, you could go to those very same liberal colleges that these people come from and go ask them in a debate who wins the debate and it's the one that holds the ground and doesn't get defensive, right? And who became defensive? Kamala Harris became defensive. Pence was never, as a matter of fact, he complimented her numerous times on her accomplishments, thanked the moderator like a gentleman, which he is, and I absolutely have had phenomenal conversation with the man. That is him, by the way, on and off the camera. He's an amazing human being. He held his ground. He, he looked like a statesman last night. He looked sharp, not just physically, but he was on point when he got attacked. He turned it right back to facts, brought it back to center. And I think I saw something like a little poll running that, you know, Harris had more time than Pence actually on the mic. So for the record, let's just get back there, you know, because the attack that he steamrolled her and whatever. No, he just dominated within the rules and won the debate hands down. And also, I've seen a lot of liberals on Twitter saying, oh, this is what it's like for a black woman to live in the white supremacist patriarchy. I thought Pence's behavior was extremely respectful. He remained calm, cool, and collected. And you know what? This is why we don't exactly, or I personally don't like 
people like Kamala Harris being nominated to run for vice president, because if you're going to be weaponizing your race, your gender, your sexuality and distracting us from getting into policy, I think that's irresponsible to the American people. And I actually saw another MSNBC report that said that a lot of voters thought it was a draw between the two. And in my opinion, that usually means that the conservative nailed the liberal. And I think that's exactly what Mm -hmm. happened. Well, Well, they were reaching when they were giving their commentary. We've got a couple of other clips I want to play for you where they described him again as being flaccid. Problem tonight is that Vice President Pence appeared flaccid and anemic, and that's going to hurt him with men. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only people that they still had in their coalition after last week's barn burner from Trump were, were the, the the sort of grievance voter that is a, a very vocal and animated part of the Trump base. <laughs> Listen, I mean. does she know what a man is? Because she's probably one of the women that's emasculated men her whole life. She's probably on the feminist train going, um, come on. We're, we're, we're listening to people that they're talking out of holes in their ears here. They, I mean, they're grasping. If they had to take their airtime and talk actual policy, they know, they know what it would have looked like. They would have had to say, listen, our player didn't do well tonight, you know, but they couldn't. So it's flies and flaccid and his hair. It's ridiculous. Well, and I think a lot of people uh, weren't expecting this. ABC News anchor George Stephanopoulos also brought sexism into his analysis Accusing Pence of mansplaining. Listen to this. Because obviously Mike Pence uh, is a former television commentator, does have a very calm demeanor. But I think a lot of people were noticing some mansplaining going on tonight. I don't know. I didn't see it that way. Okay, so um, like you pointed out, Yako, two independent reviews of the speaking time revealed that Harris had equal time with Pence, if not more. Uh, Ben Shapiro said that Pence's performance was effective, which is why they assumed that Pence actually spoke more. Um, Nora O'Donnell of CBS said Pence was masterful and said you may not agree with what his administration does, but in terms of his debating style, he repeatedly did not answer the question that was posed to him in the record of the Trump administration on over issues. But they, I, they talked that it seemed like, as you pointed out, Kamala was on the defense throughout the evening. So let's get to undecided voters, uh, because undecided voters say... Pence won, and Harris was abrasive and condescending. And we have a clip of this. We're watching last night with the focus group. What did that group think? They thought that Mike Pence was the clear winner, which is very different than what happened in the first debate. They felt that Pence was calm, cool, and collected. They had an issue with how uh, Kamala Harris communicated. And as I'm listening to them, the tone and demeanor of the discussion last night was exactly what the American people want. They go back and forth, where they talk about where they stand, but there's still some complaints with our undecided voters that they're not specific enough about the future, that Kamala Harris spent too much time prosecuting the Trump administration, and Mike Pence spent too much time defending the Trump administration. They want to know exactly what they're going to do on jobs. They want to know exactly what they're going to do on taxes, and the number one complaint Uh, question from them is what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. Will Joe Biden try to pack the Supreme Court? Mike Pence did an outstanding job making that an issue yesterday, and that is resonating in the minds of the American people today. 
So Luntz also said his focus group was more upset with Harris's smiling, smirking, and scowling um, than Pence going over what was perceived to be his time limit. What did you think of her expressions? Because you couldn't miss them. I think it was very clear that whenever Kamala feels uncomfortable or she's on the defensive, she makes clown faces, she laughs, and that was her the entire debate. Pence remained cool. I didn't feel he was defensive whatsoever. He made his um, commentary, he made its points very concisely and excellently, and I think, I mean, I know undecided voters had to see that as well. Yeah, look, it, she carries herself and has always carried herself with a haughty, like a haughty attitude, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a chip on her shoulder and she constantly wants to defend herself. You know, and that's always the sign of an insecure individual. That's a sign of somebody that doesn't feel like they're supposed to be at the table. Right. She knew last night that she was outclassed and she probably knew it before the debate started because that's the eye rolls, the smirks, you know, when you have a normal, just a normal conversation, a husband and a wife, what happens when a wife starts rolling her eyes? It's, 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 it's not good. <laughs> right. It's not good. She, so, she's not about, a good sign, yeah. Yeah, she's out of the argument. She's about to lose the argument. So, Kamala, sorry, man. You know? <laughs> it was so noticeable. We just have a couple of minutes, but I, I want to talk about the second presidential debate because now uh, they've announced that it will be held virtually, but President Trump said he doesn't want to take part in this. Um, they're saying it will be a town hall meeting, but the candidates will participate from separate remote locations to protect the health and safety of all involved. Uh, C-SPAN's Steve Scully will still be the moderator, but Trump said, hey, I'm not going to waste my time with this. They're just trying to protect Biden. Do you think he should agree to the virtual debate? Absolutely not. Anything to protect little Dementia Joe. Joe's been caught reading off a teleprompter before. We, you know, there's conspiracies that he has earpieces in. Why should President Trump have to debate with uh, Joe Biden's staff? No, it should be a debate between them two, and it should absolutely be in person. They could do it outside, 12 feet apart, plexiglass, whatever they need to do. But a virtual debate is just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't see the reason. And of course, they're going to say the man just had COVID. And, and I just want to say this, you know, for a 76-year-old, he was down for two days. And he comes and he goes, come on, we can, let, let's go. Let's go to work. I'm ready to debate. No, no virtual debate. Put them in a room. Put them 40 feet apart if you want to. Bubble wrap, right. you know, Joe, if you want to. I mean, Plexiglass boxes. Do? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, put him in a hazmat suit. But he's got to face the people with his own mind. No support. No aids, nothing. Just come and face. No biased moderators spoon feeding him the questions like last time. Right. Yeah. We want to see him go head to head in person. Yeah. That's yeah, what I do. Wants. And I will say this someday. That focus group. I do want to see this as well. The president needs to focus on the future, and and play like Joe is minor league. You don't elevate a player to your level. You play above him. Right. Don't even talk to him. Talk to the American people. And tell us about the future, because we're behind him. The nation's behind him. It's going to be a good November. All right. Well, so we've got to go to break. We have a ton more to cover when we come back. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Home Title Lock. So what does COVID-19 have to do with losing your home? A lot. The FBI reported that since the virus struck, cybercrime is up 75%. And you know what? It gets worse. The legal title to all of our homes are online now, and the crime is called home title theft, and it is everywhere. Cyber criminals find the title to your home online, they forge your signature on a quick claim deed, and they refile as the new owner of your home, and you're off the title. They destroy you by taking out loans against your home, they steal the cash, and then they stick 
you with the payments. And you may not even know until you get a late payment or a foreclosure notice. So Home Title Lock protects your home's legal title. Your home's your most valuable asset, your safe haven. So Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. And the instant they detect tampering, they shut it down. So first things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. And then use code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back in a minute. NBC News moderator Lester Holt, he told viewers Monday night that his town hall with... uh, excuse me, his town hall with Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden in Miami, that it was featuring undecided voters in attendance who would ask Biden questions throughout the program. But David Rutz and Colin Anderson reported for the Washington Free Beacon that at least two of these undecided voters had previously declared their support for Biden on NBC News' sister channel, MSNBC. We've got a montage of this. Let's look at that. Welcome back. Welcome back, Miami. And the town hall meeting with former Vice President Joe Biden taking questions from undecided voters. Peter Gonzalez has next question. Uh, welcome to Miami, Mr. Vice President. Um, I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, and I've been living in Coral Gables for the last 20 plus years. We get four more years of Trump. Good luck. And good luck with the future attracting younger voters. Let's go to Ismail Eliano, who voted for Hillary Clinton four years ago, but has voted Republican in the past. What's your question for Mr. Biden? Hi, Mr. Vice President. Things uh, you know, that, that, that Joe Biden said during his speech that resonated with me was, you know, what defines America's possibility. Mr. Mateo Gomez joins us now. Uh, first-time voter came to the U.S. from Colombia at age two. Welcome. Spent a lot of time in Colombia. Thank you, Lester, for the introduction. After watching the debate, Mateo Gomez told us he really didn't feel like he got a whole lot out of it, and it really did not do a lot to help him. If you had to pull the trigger and vote for someone tomorrow, how would you vote? Probably Biden, in this sense. It would be one, because just how unpresidential the whole entire debate was. Okay, so additionally, they unearthed pro-Biden social media posts from two more of the supposed undecided voters from Monday's town hall. Uh, One of them on her Facebook page, it said, pro-America, anti-Trump. And then another audience member, Cassidy Brown, reportedly retweeted a pro-Biden account that attacked President Trump for allegedly calling deceased military soldiers losers. I mean, do they think that America is dumb and that we aren't going to discover these things? I just, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. I mean, I just, I have to ask, why do they feel the need to hide and tell lies to the American people unless they have, unless they're hiding something, unless they're hiding the amount of support that President Trump has? They're very nervous. Henry. This mm-hmm. is what you do when you're very, very nervous. What's the number one question, and Vice President Pence was so strong on this, that Kamala wouldn't answer. Will you stack the court? They stack the town hall debates. <laughs> They're going to stack the court. They'll, play, they'll bend and break every single rule, including the Constitution of the United States, by hook or crook. Mm-hmm. Okay? This, is, this doesn't surprise me. Yes, they'll stack the court. This is pre-screened. I wouldn't be surprised if the questions are being fed to these folks. Heck, they, he needed help from, from a moderator. They would spoon-feed him questions. They, this is, again, they're under here. 
I told you, you know, they'll go as low as they can go. Now, do you guys think that, that the general American public is waking up to this and seeing that like, hey, wait a minute, we are we are being hoodwinked. I know I have super liberal friends in Los Angeles. I live in L.A. and I see even some of my most far left friends are new Trump voters because they see the amount of lies we're being fed. They see that the left has just gone too radical. So I truly hope and believe and know of a lot of people who have opened their eyes to the lies. Yeah, I just think they overplayed their hand Hillary, this whole year. Yeah, I think I think a lot of these decisions were made when cities started burning. Yeah, it's a great point. Done. That's not America. You know, they don't want that. Well, let's talk a little bit about COVID, because if you consume only the mainstream media and you follow only social media posts on Facebook or Twitter to get your news, you probably think that the sole issue impacting the 2020 presidential election is the government's response to the pandemic. CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, The Washington Post, nearly every other liberal leaning out, they want Americans to believe that the only things that matter in the election are that Donald Trump refuses to wear a mask, that Vice President Mike Pence failed in his leadership of the coronavirus task force, uh, not to mention his opposition to using plexiglass in the debate, uh, and that the White House is just a COVID-19 cesspool. But it turns out the issues American voters consider most important in the election are the issues that a Gallup poll revealed as being anything but COVID, really, the economy, terrorism and national security, education, healthcare, crime. COVID actually ranked sixth in their responses. So the fact that the other topics were considered more important, it doesn't mean that coronavirus is not a concern for voters because it did, of course, come in sixth place. But when broken down by political party, the results are not terribly surprising. For Democrats, the five most important issues are health care, coronavirus response, uh, race relations, climate change, and the economy. But among Republicans, the top five issues are the economy, terrorism and national security, crime, education, and gun policy. So if COVID is not the main topic for the average American, why do you think the media just keeps pushing it and pushing it? If you listen to their list, it's all feeling-based. Their top five is all feeling-driven. It's feelings-based. Nothing tangible, nothing that actually moves life forward. And feelings matter, but it's all feeling. You don't run an economy on feelings, right? And love is not a feeling. And you don't fix a broken city by feeling, right? So it's all feeling-based. If you look at the top five in the conservative movement, economy number one, what's the number one thing that hurt through COVID? The economy, right? I just want to remind people, if you want to think where you want to invite Biden or Trump, you want to go back to Obama. A friend of mine said this, hey, do you remember gas prices were 348 to 450 during the whole Obama? Ten- you want to go back to that? That's what it's going to look like. Mm. You're going to struggle as an American. Mm. You're struggling now. You want Biden on the heels of COVID? You want an economic downturn through COVID and now go Biden? You're going to go back to $4 gas in this country. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen, right? Now, that list is accurate. It is economy first because that's how you drive opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's how you reestablish communities. You need economic upturn. Not to mention that the economy and terrorism and national security are some of President Trump's strongest uh, points to his administration. We have domestic terrorists running around the country right now, looting stores, burning burning homes down, breaking into people's cars, uh, and 
Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have discussed defunding the police. Americans don't want that. As far as the economy, President Trump created one of the best economies in America's history, and people want that back. So, Do you guys think the media is really missing out on an opportunity to focus on the things that Americans actually do care about and want to hear about? Because I think most people, not that they aren't still concerned about COVID, but the economy is something that I think people would like to see more of a focus on. I've learned in the last four years that the media really doesn't care about the American people. They don't care about providing uh, correct information to us. They care about their own agendas. So I don't think they're missing out on anything. I think they're doing it on purpose. Yeah, they're out of touch with the American, mm -hmm. Hillary. They're way out of touch, and it doesn't matter to them that they're out of touch. They've, they've been successful in the past cramming down narrative into the Americans' throats and moving culture at will and then the culture stood up and said no more in 2016 mm -hmm. and then now and then they doubled down and and then of course they lost control of their own narrative i mean they they they're not even in control of their own party they didn't even know what they're doing but they don't care about the american people right well, we've got a lot to get to when we come back. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about why the NBA might be likely to pull Black Lives Matter messages from the courts. So you don't want to miss that. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Keeps. Because have you noticed your hair isn't looking as full as it used to? Losing your hair is no fun. So let's talk some options. You can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription and then visit the pharmacy and try not to go broke just to avoid going bald. Or you can try Keeps from the comfort of your lazy boy at home. You'll get the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but Keeps offers the generic versions for about half the cost. And one more thing that you'll love about Keeps, it is all online. So you just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. And then it's shipped directly to your door. So why make unnecessary trips to the doctor and the drugstore when you can do it all from home? So let me get you started with a special deal. Go to keeps.com slash why for 50% off your first order of Keeps hair loss treatments. That's keeps.com slash why, keeps.com slash why. We'll be back with more in a second. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver announced on Tuesday when the league returns to play next season, Black Lives Matter messages, they will likely not be displayed on the court or on players' jerseys as they've been this season. Uh, he made the remarks during an interview with ESPN's Rachel Nichols ahead of Game 4 of the NBA Finals in Florida. And during the interview, he said despite the league being completely committed to standing for social justice and racial equality, exactly how exactly that commitment is manifested is something that they're going to have to sit down with the players and discuss. So he said, I would say in terms of the messages you see on the courts and on our jerseys, this was an extraordinary moment in time when we began to see these discussions with the players and what we all lived through this summer. My sense is there'll be somewhat a return to normalcy and that those messages will largely be left to be delivered off the floor. Now, he didn't say explicitly that the messages we're going to be removed due to a significant drop in viewership this year. But he did admit that backlash uh, to some of those messages from fans, that it did play a role. He said, I understand the people who are saying I'm on your side, but I want to watch a basketball game because the league has seen its viewership drop enormously through the NBA playoffs, especially during the finals. The Rags were down 20% in September, and then 38% of fans said they're not watching because the league has become 
too political. Christian, you tweeted about this. You had some strong feelings about this. Tell me your thoughts. Um, Well, I mean, I tweeted something about LeBron James, and one thing I just have to note is, okay, the league could fall tomorrow. LeBron's going to have all his money. He can retire. He can retire gracefully. What about the future of the league? What about players coming up? This is going to affect the league for years to come, and it seems as though LeBron and these leaders of this social justice movement don't really care about the longevity of the league. I don't watch it. I don't really care. But I don't want to watch a basketball game with players who are displaying criminal rapists, drug dealers, um, people who resist arrest to the cops. I don't want to see that while I'm watching a basketball game. That's well said. I feel the same way about Broadway as well. They've broken Broadway in New York for the future young theater arts drama major who wants to go. But here we here we go. Can we say placate a bit much? You know, <laughs> a little impulsive here, league. Now you want to walk it back and say, maybe we need to have a discussion about how we handle this off the court. Yes, because the athlete, which I was once upon a time, you're an entertainer. That's your job. Entertain. You're not a politician. Otherwise, get out of sport, run for office. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all about money, money, money. It is what all about money. What did the poll say? Economics top. <laughs> I don't care if your name is Mark Cuban and you're a billionaire. At some point, it hurts. Totally it agree. Hurts. And it should be noted, nearly all major sports have experienced a, a pretty significant ratings decline in 2020. I mean, there were off-schedule off uh, seasons. The arenas have been empty. So uh, you can't say for certain if it's because fewer people are watching or if it's because of the messaging on the courts and on the jerseys and things like that. However, it sounds like the NBA commissioner seems to be insinuating that he's at least partially convinced that those overt messages just were turning people off. Yeah, but you can, you can balance it, right? Dana White goes out and does what in the UFC? Highest numbers in history during mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah. Why? They appreciate the fan. Mm-hmm. The sport is there for the fan. They understand that. You have to feed the fan. The NBA says, forget about the fan. Not only forget about you, we want to tell you how to think, walk, talk, you know, whatever you should be doing. So we're going to message to you. And they go, don't need to watch. Mm-hmm. I'll go watch the UFC or go spend time with my family. You know, it's mm-hmm. a good thing. Let the league tumble then. But it is a shame for the young player today whose hopes and dreams in junior high is, I want to play basketball, right? And just like you said, it should be about the fan. The customer's always right. The fan is the customer. Um, and I think, and you know, I don't know if it's ignorance or if they just do it on purpose, but it seems as though these NBA ringleaders think that the American people are these far left social justice warriors. When you're going around day to day, most people don't care. Most people aren't going to hold a BLM terrorist sign, or, nor do they want to see that on their television screen. So I think that's why it's hurting them. I agree. All right, let's talk a little bit about Portland, shall we? Uh, Poor poor Portland. In the Portland-Oregon mayoral race, a supporter of Antifa, which most of you know who that is, but it's violent left-wing militants who've been causing mayhem, especially in Portland, in their streets for months. A supporter of Antifa leads incumbent Ted Wheeler by 11 points in this mayoral race. So here's the details. Her name is Sarah Iannarone. She pulled at 41% to Wheeler's 30%, and the remaining 29% is split between a write-in candidate or people who are undecided. But 
This was kind of shocking to me. Uh, in 2019, she weighed in decisively for Antifa, saying, to those who say Antifa are violent thugs, I'm not a violent thug, and I am Antifa, she tweeted. I am Antifa because the red hats are coming after brown and black people, after Jews, after queer and trans people, and more. They are coming after our democracy. Oh, gosh, she was asked in TV interviews to specifically address Antifa violence. She never acknowledged it, despite being asked, and there was plenty of available evidence. Is, I mean, Portland, obviously, very progressive city. Do you think they are ready for an Antifa mayor? And what does that say about Portland? I remember I told you the left lost their own party. This tells you that. They lost their own movement. They've been taken over by radical anarchists. And, and now they're running their cities. Just north of Seattle took a former pimp and put him in charge of police, com- uh, you know, uh, community policing recently. This is happening across America in these radical left cities. They, they have absolutely lost control, right? N- and number one, the red hat's coming after Jews. The red hat, meaning the MAGA hat from President Trump, the man has Jewish grandchildren, okay? They don't even know what they're spewing. Hillary, it's, it's so empty, but poor, what a beautiful city, but in deep trouble. Deep, deep trouble. And the left's answers to any problems they ever face, whether it be homelessness, whether it be anarchy, whether it be BLM tourism, is always to go further left. Your original policies weren't working. You need to make a change. So we're about to see more disaster, more anarchy in these far left progressive cities. It, it is. It's it's kind of shocking because so many people have, have been very upset with Mayor Ted Wheeler. I mean, they were attacking his house and protesting him and they turned on him. And so it's, it's very interesting that she's pulling at 41% and he's pulling at 30%. Portland, we will be praying for you because you guys are in a, a very difficult quandary. All right. When we come back, uh, we've got to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about former uh, Democrat. Well, she's still a Democrat. Uh, Katie Hill. Boy, she's got a a film coming out about her, and she's been uh, very proud of that. But some of her former staffers say that she is not a hero for women and that she shouldn't be upheld as one. So we'll talk about that when we come back from break. Kind of an interesting story. Seattle just hired Andre. So I've got kind of an interesting Hollywood story for you today. Uh, someone claiming to be former staff of former Representative Katie Hill from California, they posted messages to her official government Twitter account to accuse her of abuse after news broke this week that actress Elizabeth Moss would star as Hill in a TV series highlighting her rise and fall in politics. So the, the movie's based on Hill's forthcoming book, which is described as recounting her experience as a young woman with no prior political experience whose charm and common sense won over the people in her district and thrust her into the halls of power in Washington. Uh, So these series of tweets were posted to her Twitter account, and the staff said, Katie's former staff here, disappointed in so many folks, including Elizabeth Moss and Blumhouse, Regarding today's announcement, this is an incredibly sensitive situation. We appreciate the, inst- the instinct to defend our former boss, an LGBTQ woman who faced abuse from her husband. What happened to Katie Hill shouldn't happen to anyone, but this moment requires more nuance as Katie Hill's story, our story, is also one of workplace abuse and harassment. 
Katie Hill can be both a victim and a perpetrator, and staff can experience severe consequences for speaking out against their powerful boss. No one should have to put themselves in harm's way for the public to understand a simple truth. Katie Hill is not a hero for women. We deserve heroes who embody our values, even in the most difficult moments. Katie Hill was never investigated by the House Ethics Committee, nor has she been held accountable by anyone other than herself. We encourage everyone to reflect deeply before taking her word at face value. She took advantage of her subordinates. She caused immense harm to the people who worked for her, many of whom were young women just beginning their careers in politics. Workplace abuse and harassment can take many different forms, but one thing is certain, it is never okay, even if your boss is a woman and or a survivor. And they basically just sum up saying, you know, she she does not represent the Me Too movement. And in order to advance it, they need to be willing to acknowledge the problematic behaviors among those in our own communities. Now, she responded to these series of tweets from her personal Twitter account an hour later, saying, thanks to all who let me know my governmental official Twitter account was hacked. Control of my account was immediately handed back to the House clerk when I resigned, including password changes and access restrictions. God knows who hacked it from there. I've reported it to Twitter. Goodness. I mean, if you don't remember the story about Katie Hill, she was involved in that thruple situation. She was married, but also having an affair with two of her staffers, one female, one male. It was just a a hot mess. Nude photos of her were posted by the Daily Mail, one of her holding a bong. This was all while she was still in office. It was just, it was a mess. But she's written this book. Now they're doing the series. And Elizabeth Moss very well-known actress. She was in The Handmaid's Tale. She's mm-hmm. been on Mad Men, a bunch of big, big movies. Look, what do you think this says? Have, has everyone just completely lost touch? No, well, yes and no. This is a natural progression. You know, we fight trafficking, right? So especially when it comes to sexual abuse, hurt people hurt people. That's a fact. So I'm not surprised, of course, alleged. We don't know. Is it true or whatever? But if a staffer writes that, hey, there was workplace abuse by her... That would follow a normal trend for someone who's walked through what she's walked through, right? But then I get to the point where why would I care about this book or this movie? I just don't. You know, I I just don't. But when I look at it third party and I look into it, hurt people hurt people. So, I, you know, there's smoke. There may be fire. You know, someone should look into it. If there were people harmed by her, then they too need to be taken care of. And in the Me Too statement, Me Too was about on point for a minute. Okay, and then it got hijacked Mm -hmm. and turned and weaponized against Brett Kavanaugh. So this whole thing is a hot mess. On that Me Too point, I mean, this woman was having sexual relations with her employees. Can you imagine if it was a conservative man? oh, this would be totally, this would be over with. He would be slaughtered in the media. So I think it just speaks to Me Too really just being a weapon to be used against Republicans and against conservatives because this behavior would never fly. Right. I don't think any of us will be watching that TV series. (laughs) All right, I want to talk to you about something that came out today. Um, The FBI has thwarted a plot by a Michigan militia group to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer and overthrow the state government. Uh, At least six people are expected to be arraigned uh, following a series of raids in Wexford County and Heartland late uh, on Wednesday that happened. Several members talked about murdering tyrants or taking over a sitting governor. An FBI, excuse me, an FBI agent wrote in the affidavit. 
Uh, the militia members at least twice conducted surveillance at Whitmer's vacation home and discussed abducting her and taking her to a remote location to stand trial for treason before the November 3rd election. So uh, this is another one of those situations where things have just gotten so far out of hand. Now, Whitmer had a lot of, I don't think enemies is the right word, but she had a lot of people that were very upset with her because she did have such strict restrictions when it came to the lockdowns and people were very upset about it. But this has kind of gotten to the extreme. Yeah, and of course, we don't ever condone that. And, and, and we don't stand for that because we're not hypocrites here. You know, nobody, we don't want to see people harmed. We but it kind of feels like a bunch of boys drinking moonshine under the tree at night and, you know, spewing off. And, but you also have to take these things seriously. And obviously, the FBI is taking it seriously. Yes, her actions was radical in, in her, you know, in, in her city. And sure, some people are really upset about it. But talking about abduction, you know, should get action. But then again, remember, we have had verbal threats made to the president of the United States. Okay, by the left with zero action. Mm -hmm. Didn't see no FBI step in in defending the, you know, the president of the United States when radical leftists on mainstream media out in the open start, you know, talking about hoping, you know, that recently COVID would take him out, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. double standard as there has been lately. But but if there's real actionable intel, then, of course, the FBI should step in and stop it. Totally agree with you. Would never condone that behavior. Um, she is super radical, and there's going to be radical consequences to her radicalness. Never condone it, though. Um, but just like you said, I recall Madonna talking about blowing up the White House. I don't, but I don't recall the FBI ever stepping in. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's just gotten to a. I feel like we've gotten to a point where just the level of crazy you, you think one day, Off like, this is as crazy no, as it can get, the and then cliff. the next day, nope. No, yeah. <laughs> Another no, it's a, new. It's a crazy competition. Another new level of crazy. All right. Well, we have our question of the day and our poll results from yesterday's question when we come back from break. Stick around. You don't miss it. Insane is running the asylum. I mean, it just makes me wonder about it. <laughs> how not. people get to the point that they're... So I think there were a lot of people last night who watched a vice presidential debate for the first time, or maybe they hadn't watched one in a really long time. And our poll question from yesterday was, will you be watching the VP debate tonight? 63% of you said yes, which I felt like was, I would guess, is a higher than average number. What do you guys think? Yeah, look, I'm, I, I think people are hungry for truth. And that's an interesting, it's a high number, you know, because... It's up there. Mm -hmm. If you think of only 60, what, only 62%, 60% of Americans voted in wow. 16, right? Right. I think that was the number somewhere in there, 60%, only voted. So that's pretty high. I agree. I think everybody sees that this is probably the most important election of our lifetime, maybe in the country's history, possibly. Uh, so it's just a requirement to stay up with everything. Right. And I, I enjoyed... Seeing the contrast between the vice presidential debate and the presidential debate, the difference in the moderators, the difference in uh, the reactions of the people who are watching it, talking with friends about it. So I was actually really grateful that this year there was more awareness about it because it made me a little more excited to watch than I probably have ever been for a vice presidential yeah, It was an debate. important question about health, presidential health, and people should think. 
If number one's not there, who would you want as number two? And I think it was very, very clear. Absolutely. Okay, last one. Yes. <laughs> no question. Fence. All right, let's look at our, our poll question for today. It's who won the VP debate? Kamala Harris or Mike Pence? Tell me your thoughts. I think I already know. Oh, Mike Pence. He wiped the floor with her. <laughs> Hands down. Hands down, Pence. Yeah. Hands down. He, he looked really, really good. All right. Well, give us your Twitter handle so people know where to follow you. So I am at Christian Walker. The Ian Walker is a number one on Twitter, Instagram, and I also have a YouTube channel, Christian Walker. Wonderful. Twitter, Boyance, Yaku, Instagram, Yaku.Boyance. Why? Just, I don't know, just to trick people a little bit. But <laughs> go to Instagram, Yaku.Boyance. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for Thanks being here. This us. was a lot of fun. You guys have to come back. We'll have to do it again. Thank you for watching. You guys be sure and tell Sarah Gonzalez how much you miss her. Love Give her you, some Sarah. good parenting advice. We love you, Sarah. We can't love wait to you, come Sarah. back. <laughs> All right, you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.